And we thank you that your faithfulness transcends our unfaithfulness, our tendency to wander, our tendencies to be, to be examining of other people are critical. No matter what our wanderings, you are always faithful. You can't deny your relationship with us. And we thank you that on this Father's Day, that we can celebrate your fatherhood. And I just pray that you would speak encouragement. Lord, there are people here this morning that have physical needs. I pray that you'll build their faith to believe that you can and will heal. Father, for relationship needs, people who are estranged from people they love, that you would bring confidence in them to, to pray for reconciliation. Father, those that may have been wandering and, and you've brought back, I just pray, God, that even between Sundays we can, can get distracted and move other directions. And I just pray, God, that you would focus us today on Jesus Christ, that, Jesus, you are here in this house. We expect Jesus. We expect you to be here. And we know that as we meet with you and we come into contact with your presence, we are changed. Now we ask, Lord, that you take the word, the living word of God, and change our hearts, that we would be different than we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. What if, what if, what if is the title of a song that asks, what if I climbed that mountain? What if I swam to that shore? What if every battle was victorious then? Would you love me more? What if I were everyone's first choice? What if I went further than before? What if I stood high above the rest? Would you love me more? You say I belong to you apart from the things I do. You say I belong to you and I'm in awe of why you do. Why you do. What if I ignored the hand that fed me? What if I forgot to confess? What if I stumbled down that mountain? Then would you love me less? What if I were everyone's last choice? What if I mixed in with the rest? What if I failed what I passed before? Then would you love me less? You say I belong to you apart from the things I do. You say I belong to you, I'm in awe of why you do. Would you love me more? Would you love me less? Do I belong to you apart from the things I do? This song is about relationship. Relationship with God, the Father. Do you ever ask God those kinds of questions? Do you love me more when I'm good? Do you love me more when I'm successful? Do you love me less when I'm bad? Do you love me less when I fail? Or do I belong to you? Are you still God, my Father, apart from the things I do? Today, we're going to look at what if, what if, 
Lessons from a father and a son. Is God's love for us based on doing or being? On actions or relationship? These are great questions to ask and answer on Father's Day. The Bible has answers, and they come in a story told by Jesus called a parable as we continue our series, In Other Words. In other words, I'd like you to turn with me, if you would, to Luke 15. Luke, the 15th chapter, it's on page 849 in the Bible in the rack in front of you, or you can follow on your tablet device or iPhone or whatever you have with you. So Luke 15, we're going to start with verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The youngest one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set out for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the third of three stories, stories that we call parables, that teach a lesson told by Jesus. And Jesus told these three stories to answer a complaint that was made by some of the religious people of his day. What was that complaint? We, we find it in verse two. The complaint was this. They said about Jesus, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. They were complaining that Jesus welcomed sinners and ate with them. In other words, this man, Jesus, associates with the wrong kind of people, the prostitutes and pimps and exotic dancers and loan sharks and drug dealers and drug addicts and alcoholics and embezzlers and corrupt company CEOs, the homeless, the street people. They complained that Jesus had a relationship with those kind of people. So Jesus tells a what-if story a story of love and relationship. The love of a father, the poor choices of a wayward son. What do we learn about God today, and what can we learn about us? There are two main characters in a story, the father, who represents God, and the son, who represents us. Let's start with the relationship. Let's look at the relationship. 
Starting with the Father. Looking long and hard at the Father, seeing his actions and his reactions. What is this Father like? Does he love the Son more or less by the things he does? You can feel the Father's heart break. You can sense his relentless love. The Father, number one, loves with extravagant and unconditional love. Some people call this the story of the prodigal son. Others call it the story of the prodigal father, or the prodigal God. And I would say it's the story of prodigal God because prodigal is defined as exceeding or recklessly wasteful, extremely generous, lavish, extremely abundant. And those are phrases that describe a father whose love knows no limits. It's extravagant to the point of being wasteful. Why would someone waste love on a person who doesn't deserve it? Someone who doesn't return the love? It's extravagant. Is it wasteful? Yet this father extended that love to his son unconditionally. That's the love that has been extended to to us because we represent the son. This love is extravagant and wasteful even though we don't return love in return. The love is still extended to us. That love is unconditional. We have done nothing to earn it. In fact, we cannot earn that kind of love. And God places no conditions on this love. It's conditionless. And I think only a parent can really understand this kind of love. It's extravagant, unconditional love for our children. Not only do we discover that God loves us with his extravagant, unconditional love. Secondly, we discover that the Father God is open and approachable. He's open and approachable. Verse 12 says, the son says, Father, give me the share of the estate. Now, what was this father like that he could ask for something like that? This son requests his inheritance while his father was still alive and in good health. That really is jarring. Kenneth Bailey writes, in Middle Eastern culture, this means, Father, I am eager for you to die. I'm eager for you to die. The the request was unthinkable in that culture. It would be like a son or daughter selling the family business, converting it to cash while the father is still working it and earning a living from it. Total selfishness. Did the father object? Did he know why the son wanted his inheritance? Of course he did. The son didn't say, give me my share so I can get out of here and run my own life. But that was his hidden agenda. And even though the father knew, he gave generously. This father was open. He was approachable. Now, we we tend to think of God as way up there, distant and unapproachable. Yet, Jesus himself gives us a far different picture of this father God. A picture of a father who openly welcomes his children and listens to their requests. God has given us many good gifts as as an inheritance, life and intellect, abilities and talents. And he knows very well that we might abuse his gifts given to us. Why does he do that? Thirdly, God the Father gives freedom to choose. He gives freedom to choose. We have free choice. You you choose. It's free will. Love only possesses what it releases. We only have what we actually give away. This father gave his son the freedom to choose. See, God did not create humans as robots with no choices. We're not computers required to obey 
the commands of the programmers. Of course, I, I, I don't know about you, I have a computer that has a mind of its own. You get these things, prompts come up. You have performed an illegal operation. What? Do you want to save the normal template? What is normal? Do you want to save the changes to the document? I didn't ask for any changes. What do you mean changes? I don't remember making changes. My computer tells me what to do. It says download this file. It says update this. And every time I update, something changes and I have to learn it all over again. Anybody else have the same issue? Thank you, thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. What I want is a computer programs that de-date the computer. In other words, if I liked Windows 3.0, I want to be able to put that back in and so I can use Windows 3.0. I mean, I will like Windows 7, I want that again. Or I want the original Apple Macintosh program, why can't I de-date my computer so I can not have to learn how to run it again? That's what happens. Well, computers are really supposed to do what we say. But humans, we, we get to choose. We cannot force our children to love us. They choose to love us as parents. And some of you here this morning may be able to identify with this father in our story who gives love, and maybe you've given love to a child or to a spouse or to a parent, a friend, a relative, and it's unreturned. God does not require our love. It's our choice. It's ours to return. God never will impose his will. That's the father. Now, in contrast to the father, we see the son. What was the son like? The son's character was, first of all, rebellious. This was, at the beginning, not overt rebellion. It wasn't obvious. He just left home. He said, I will live my own life, thank you. He turned his back on his father and resisted his control and refused his guidance. Son was also reckless and careless. In verse 13, it said he squandered his estate. He wasted everything, and soon everything he had was gone. He also, as number three, was immoral. He squandered his inheritance not just on foolish investments or gambling or bad stock options, but in loose living. So we see a sequence of rebelliousness, carelessness, and immorality. And now his inheritance was gone. What can we learn from the son? Where, where are you today? This son went to a far country, and, and that far country represents a realm of rebellion. And the question always is, for all of us, what is your far country? Is there a realm of rebellion in your life? We yearn for freedom, we want to do our own thing. We want no restraints, and it, it usually starts with the little things. Our ideas and opinions and plans, our money, our priorities, our relationships. Then we waste and squander the gifts that God has given us. After a while, we don't feel very much at home with God anymore. Maybe there was a time you felt at home with God. Not, and I'm not talking about church, or, which is a gathering of our people, but with God personally. Prayer becomes difficult. And maybe you've been gone so long you find it difficult to even talk to God. Now, most of us may not think of ourselves as being wasteful or extravagant, but any time we spend on things of no value is wasteful, extravagant living. Lloyd Ogilvie says, many of us are not squanderers with problems. We're just wanderers from our potential. Let me say that again. Many of us are not squanderers with problems, but just wanderers from our potential. I, you know, I'm not all that bad. 
I'm not down and out. I'm not addicted. I'm, I'm not on the street. Well, the haves and have-nots have a lot in common. Both miss the reason for which they were born. What is your far country? Are you squandering your gifts from your father? Are you wandering from your potential? Most of us live in a frantic search for meaning and purpose and significance. And we may not ask, what will I do when the money runs out? But what can I squeeze into life and acquire before the undertaker arrives? And he who dies of the most toys wins. That's the philosophy in America today. Well, character produces circumstances. That was the relationship. Now let's look at the ruin, number Roman numeral two, the ruin. Circumstances produced all kinds of things. First of all, he was broke. He spent everything. Number two, letter B, hungry. He began to experience need. And C, he was degraded, feeding the pigs. Here we see a sequence of, of events. Broke, hungry, and degraded. And none of his so-called friends would help at this point. Out of money, that was his fault. Now, the famine, that was out of his control. Some parts of our disasters are our own fault. We just did it. We've reaped what we've sown, but some are out of our control. I had no idea I was going to lose my job, or I didn't expect my health problems. I can't believe I lost money in the stock market. My marriage failed. I didn't see that coming. And the results show our helplessness and also our emptiness. Has that ever happened to you, reaching the bottom? Or perhaps you reached the top and realized it didn't mean anything. Every accomplishment satisfies for a while. Every possession satisfies for a while. But eventually, it all runs out. Well, he comes to a realization. Let's look at the realization. Discovery, realization, and remembrance. Verse 17 says, the son came to his senses. He saw himself at this point as he really was. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free, but first it may make you miserable. That's what happens. Sometimes it takes drastic circumstances to get us to look at our lives. In a far country, rebellious, broke, hungry, empty, and degraded, this is where he is. And we see, he sees others who have their needs fulfilled. He sees father's servants doing great. So we have the, next we have the return, the return. In verse 18, it says, I will set out and go back to my father, say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. He had a plan of action. And if you're like me, when I'm in trouble or something happens, I like to come up with a plan of action. His plan of action was, I'm going to go repent. I'm going to confess. And I'm going to earn it back. I'm going to earn it back. He took remorse for his actions and joined it with faith that his father would not reject him. He knew he had no right in his own merit to be accepted. So he would offer to work to earn the money back, starting as a servant. He said, I'm going to earn my way back into relationship. What's wrong with this picture? Recognize the problem. That's good. Return to relationship, that's good. Confess my sins, good. Try to earn it back, uh, 
He thought his relationship was based on the things I do. The things I do. What if? My father will love me more if I apologize. He'll love me more if I repent. He'll love me more if I earn my way back into his graces. What if, he asked, will he love me more? Will he accept me more? When we return to relationship with God, the problem recognition, returning and confessing is all great, but we cannot earn our Father's love back. It's unconditional. It never went away. We don't bargain with God. His love is without conditions. Truly extravagant that is extended to us no matter where we are. Let's look at the reunion. What kind of father did the son have? What kind of father God do we have? First of all, we find that the father is waiting. Father's waiting. And as a parent, the moment our child leaves our presence, especially in rebellion, we wait for their return. And if they're away, not safe, or in an unknown state, we wait actively. When our daughter, Brittany, was 18 months old, we were shopping in a department store in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And I remember the news. The news was full of kidnappings and and news of child abductions and children disappearing, never to be seen again. And so we're shopping in this store, and Brittany vanished, just vanished, disappeared. She was gone. We could not find her anywhere. And time stood still as we waited. Nothing was important at that time. I didn't care about my job, my career, my money, summer vacations, cars, home. Nothing mattered at that moment. There was nothing I cared about at that moment in time because my child was gone until she peeked out from the clothes rounder. Well, while you are away from God, he's waiting. Nothing is more important to him than finding you. Nothing, nothing. Why is that? Because of his love, his love. The father is waiting. It's an active term of waiting. Secondly, the father is watching. In verse 20, it says, while he was a long way off, his father saw him. There's, there's an active sense of actively watching for his son, hoping and praying. Far off denotes a great distance, and it has more to do with spiritual distance and physical distance. Why? Love. And the father has compassion. Says he was filled with compassion. Compassion is feeling pity for, accompanied by the desire to do something about it. It's action-centered, and love is the root The father didn't say to him, you deserve what you got. He didn't say, you got to prove yourself again. He didn't say, I will love you more now, or I loved you less then. The father said, you belong to me apart from the things you do and apart from the things you've done. I love you, period. The father's action demonstrated that love The father eagerly runs to his son. He runs to his son. This, in a culture in which running was considered inappropriate for a man of wealth 
and prestige. Obviously, before the jogging craze of the 70s. This is the day God ran. God ran. God ran to his son. God loves us so much that when we've been gone and lost, he runs to us. Does God love us more? Does God love us less? No. God just loves. The Father accepts and loves, letter E. In human relationships, we have a difficult time accepting someone back if they've been hurt or hurt us. We have pain, we get protective, we create a shell. If that someone wants to return, they have to prove themselves again. That's human. This is superhuman. God's love, his acceptance. Are you sitting here this morning wondering if God could ever welcome you back? If God could forgive you? Thinking it's all about the things we do? It's not. We try to earn our way back to God, and God says, no, you are my child by virtue of relationship, not by what you do or don't do. Finally, we have the restoration. The restoration. Father takes actions here which prove the son, to the son he's fully restored. He embraced him, he kissed him, he brought a robe, bringing sandals, all marks of sonship. These are all indicators of relationship. It's a reestablishment of sonship. The son confessed, he repented, and he returned. But the father, the father, get this, the father executed the restoration. Only God can bring the restoration. It's the work of God alone. It's not based on things we do, but based on what Jesus has done. When we recognize our need, confess our sins, repent, return to God, God is waiting, God is watching, ready to run to us, to throw his arms around us. That's love. Do you remember the complaint that started these three stories? The complaint was this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And Jesus says, I do not eat with sinners. It's far worse than that. I not only eat with them, I run down the road, embrace them, shower them with kisses, and drag them in so that I might eat with them. That is love. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Where are you today on this Father's Day? Have you been asking, what if? Would you love me more? Would you love me less? Do I belong to Jesus apart from the things I do? Jesus came to earth 
Jesus died. Jesus was resurrected. So we could live and experience that kind of relationship. What if? Lessons from a father and a son. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've given us a powerful story of relationship. And I pray, Lord Jesus, this morning that if anybody's here that doubts and doesn't know if they're acceptable to you, I pray that you will speak to them and let them understand that they are. It's not what we do. It's not what we don't do. It's what you've done. And you are just waiting to run to us, embrace us, and to draw us into relationship. And you've given us the ministry of, of reconciliation as well. So Lord, as we go out, I pray that we would carry your Father's heart to those around us. We have relationships with people that no one else does. That need this message of reconciliation. The fact that they are loved apart from what they do. Or what they don't do. And I pray, Lord Jesus, today that you would anoint every person here with your Holy Spirit, that you would send us out with that joyful message of a father who's searching, seeking for those who don't have a relationship with him. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Let's stand, shall we? As we're dismissed, I'm going to ask if Donovan and Norma would just stand up here. If you want prayer over here on this side. And also if Kent and Hannah would be willing to stand over here. And uh, if you want prayer, we believe in God's answering prayer. If you've been away for a while, you've been wandering this far country, you just need affirmation of God's love, or you want to pray for somebody who's been distant from God, whatever that is, let's take time at the end. After we're dismissed, feel free to just come up and and join together in prayer. Now may the love of God the Father and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Dismissed.